When you have something in front of you in physics or in mathematics, what you have to do is that you're trying to find the solution. There is always a solution, always. So that has been my mantra forever. Are you ready to transform your life? This is a no-nonsense show helping immigrants like you create generational wealth, even while working full-time. Get ready to take notes. Here's your host, Socket Jane. Welcome back, my Great to Wealth listeners. Today, we're talking to Vanessa Alfaro. I met Vanessa about a few months ago at a conference in Salt Lake City, best of our conference. And it seemed like I've known her forever. I mean, we were scheduled to talk 40 minutes ago to record the podcast. And it's kind of like we've been talking for the last 40 minutes. We're like, you know what? If you don't hit record, we're not going to record it at all. And we'll end up talking for the next five hours. And we're going to miss out recording on a podcast. So that's how well connected I feel with her at a more spiritual level, right? So that I thought her journey is an interesting journey. I don't know a lot of women, a lot of people in general who have been to beauty pageant, even as an audience. And Vanessa is one of the participants of the beauty pageant and grew up in Venezuela, has uh, five seven-figure companies in three different countries, have five kids. I think the way she says is five kids, five companies, and I don't think she's done. So we really thought that it'll be good to explore her journey as, as she continues to migrate in life, right? That was a context where we were talking about Vanessa's journey to be a great journey. Vanessa, thank you for being on our show. Appreciate it. I'm so excited and you are completely right. We have been talking for 45 minutes and it's just such an interesting story. Your story, my story together, there's so many things that we have in common and it's just beautiful. We're both students of Coach T, Trevor McGregor, both really good fans of Tony Robbins Mm -hmm. as well. So we have so many things in common and I'm very excited to be here with you finally. I know it took a while to get us there, but we got you here. Awesome. Share some nuggets here and whatever can inspire and help your audience. That's what I'm here for. Thank you, Vanessa. Vanessa, so we'll start with, how did you get into a beauty pageant? Tell us a secret. (laughs) (laughs) I always wanted to be an entrepreneur. So when I was maybe, I don't know, 10, 12 years old, that's what I had in my mind. I want to be an entrepreneur. I was actually small entrepreneur in my school. I would sell things. I would create things with my mom that I would go and sell at school. And that's how I started making money. And then I wanted to be a business person, create a company and make something that can impact people Mm -hmm. in general. Okay. It was not just about the company. It was about creating something that can make something good. Okay. For other people. Then when I was 15, I was recruited by a model agency and I started doing runway modeling in my Mm -hmm. country. I did some TV stuff and it was great. I was making money. Okay. So kind of take me out of my idea of being an entrepreneur, okay, because I was making some money. Then I went to two beauty contests, which I lost completely. (laughs) I was not even in the top three or the top five. And then after that, when I was 19, I actually went to, they invited me to go to Milan, okay, to do a runway in in Milan. And I thought that was going to be my path. And then I was rejected again. Because I was too short. Wow. You were short? I mean, I've seen you. They consider you short? Okay. I don't know. Maybe an excuse, but it was great because at that point I was like, if I'm not going to Milan to be a runway model, I'm not winning any beauty contest. I don't want to be in TV, definitely. What is what I really want to do? Okay. And Mm. that's when it came back. What I always wanted to be is an entrepreneur. I want to make a business, build a business. This is something that impacts some other people. So I decided at that point, I was actually in college. I was studying physics, okay, to being an astrophysic. Mm-hmm. Wow. So I just didn't want to be a model without a brain, <clears throat> I guess. So I picked the hardest one that I could think about it. Okay. And that's what I wanted to be my major. But at that point, I said, this is not the path that I really wanted. Okay. And I want to go to business. So I moved to, I got my MBA. I, when I was 22, I opened my first company. It was a marketing company, just right 
after college. Okay? And I was oh, actually yes. doing my master at the same time and all those things. You can go on with your story. I know that because your story is so interesting, but I want to pause it for a second. So I think, you know what, it's an interesting journey, right? From being an entrepreneur to being a beauty pageant, to being an astrophysicist, to being an MBA, to being back being an entrepreneur, right? When you reflect back on that multiple paths that you had to take to get back to entrepreneurship, how do you look at that, Vanessa? Does it seem the path that you got lost? You're glad that those paths came along your way? How do you reflect back on that when you look at those multiple transition points? And there'll be more well, transition points. We'll talk about that too. Right. Sometimes we can lose focus on what we want for what I call shiny objects. Right. And being a model was a very shiny object. Okay. I probably had the talent. Okay. But I never had in my mind that, well, that's what I wanted to do for all my life. Okay. Mm-hmm. That's, that was not really my, what I wanted to do in my future. I wanted to be, I have a beautiful family. I always desire to have five kids. Okay. It was a dream for me. Wow. Okay. I always had this dream that I will Someday I will have twins. I have my twins, you by the way. Twins. And having these businesses and impacting people as well. I've always been an activist as well. Okay. And then this shiny object come to me. Okay. And this is can you can do, but I don't see it as a failure. Okay. Because it was not a failure. I learned a lot. I learned a lot about rejection. <laughs> I learned about, a lot about how to manage the nose. Okay. Yeah. Because That's an industry where you get a lot of notes and I learned. And so that helped me to take me back to my path. So I'm really helpful for this experience. I think nothing in life is a failure, right? Nothing in life is because everything is only two things in life. It's either a lesson or a success. There's only two things. There's nothing failure because any adversity that happens in life is going to leave you much smarter. The problem always is dealing with adversity is not the easiest thing to do, right? That always comes at a cost of how am I going to get over it, right? And that becomes so overwhelming, that becomes your entire focus of the adversity rather than trying to figure out how to get out of it. So I completely resonate that with you. Now, let's take your journey forward, right? So you're in Venezuela, you had your marketing company, you had a modeling success. At least at least you went to a beauty pageant. I can't even go there. It's not a failure. It's a success. It depends <laughs> on how you look at it. You know, there's a book called The Gap and the Gain. We got to look at the gain instead of the gap. So I'm going to give you that perspective that at least you went in. So when you look at that, right? So help us paint that picture. I know that's a very tragic part of your life. So if you feel comfortable sharing, what got you to the U.S. then? Because it seemed right, like everything uh, was going the way you were planning it to go. Yes, I was very focused with this company to create a marketing company that could bring some innovation into the industry. Okay, so every time I create a new business, I'm always thinking, how can I reinvent the wheel? Okay. Mm-hmm. What can I do different? Okay, because almost everything has been done, but what can I do different that I can offer to my clients or to my audience or to someone? And I was very focused on that. And that actually catapulted my company to in three years, four years, one of the top three marketing companies in the whole country. We had, I was maybe 25, 26, and we had 17 offices around the country. We have 2,500 employees. I was going into magazines and interviews, and I had security people with me. It was really, really wild. I was 25, and I was sitting in these meetings with Mm. 10, 15 men that were maybe 40 to 50 years old, scratching their head and asking how this little girl, 25, is doing everything that she's doing, okay? But the point is that we were in a country with a lot of inflation. So, and I'm gonna bring this to the reality that we are right now. At that point, when I started the company, we had 12% inflation in that country. Right now it's 256, okay? But let's keep it in perspective to 12%. (laughs) Right now in the US, we're in an 8% and everybody is is freaking out, okay? But when I created that company, we were in a 12% inflation. That means that like there is opportunity in every cycle of the economy. 
shortcomings. Okay, and that's something that I would like to audience to listen because everybody's right now freaking out, thinking that everything is falling apart. Okay, this is just a seven or eight percent or whatever we are right now. Okay, there is still a lot of opportunities. By the time I left Venezuela, the inflation was still forty percent, but what happened is that with inflation also came a lot of crime. So my family, my daughter was at risk, okay, and my ex-husband was kidnapped. So we had different issues in the company is that our biggest clients could not export products, okay? So we were limited on what we can do for them because the product was not coming into the country. And then we decided that our money was losing a lot of value, okay, mm-hmm. because the local currency was losing a lot of value. So we think about expand to another country, okay. Yeah. So, so well, let's go to another country and replicate this, okay. So we went to Panama, okay, which is a beautiful country, uh, very open to new businesses, and we invested in a new business. We helped the community, and we moved that to Panama. My vice president was going to move. And then my ex-husband was kidnapped. And when he was kidnapped, like for about a week, okay, we were in arrest also of being kidnapped, my daughter and I. So at that point, we decided that we changed the plan. <laughs> and I moved with my daughter to Panama to take care of that company. And my vice president stay with the other company in Venezuela. By the way, from all my five companies, that was the only one that did not sell. I had to shut down the company at one point because all the restrictions that were happening in that place, there was no marketing to do. There was no product to sell for my clients. Okay, So that's how I ended. But at that point, I was already established in Panama with our second and third company, two different companies that we had. Alessa, you said something in a passing, which is a very important aspect of your life, right? Which is somebody that you love dearly, their life is at risk, right? If you can take you back there, and there's a reason why I want you to go back there is because what was going through your mind, because that's really the resiliency of what you have done. It's phenomenal, right? Most people are going to run and hide. Instead, you switched a country and started another business which is an interesting, so it gives a lot of kudos to you for being able to do that. Because you know my story, I got kidnapped, but only for two and a half, three hours, and I was freaking out. And I still have the mental trauma left, and so does my wife. Thankfully, she wasn't with me, but she was on the call, and I forgot to switch off my phone. So she heard everything, right? So I know what it feels to be in that situation, both from being a victim and also living with somebody who left that because I remember one time I was in traveling for work and I forgot to tell my wife which hotel I'm in. She called every single hotel in that city to see if I'm safe or not. I forgot to call her that night. So that's the trauma that she was left with, right? So I would love to, if you don't mind, and completely yeah, understand that if you don't want to relive that emotional experience, but if you were to go back, what was going through your mind? Very interesting because... What happened is that when he was actually kidnapped, I didn't know. He was my ex-husband and nobody told me anything. They were trying to protect me and my daughter not telling us. And he was actually kidnapped for five days. And I come to the school and someone tell me, so what's going on with your ex-husband? Okay. Was he released? And I didn't know what he was talking about. So I started making phone calls. And they say, yes, he's kidnapped. This is what's happening. I take my daughter out of school. Okay. And at that point, three hours later, he was released. So my suffering pain of knowing what's happening was just for three hours. Okay. But one of the things that I think I can be proud of, of myself, is of not hesitating in some decisions that I have to take in Mm. life. I think it's very important to make decisions, okay? And make decisions sometime. So at that point when he was released, okay, that was the point that I said, we're actually moving, okay? We're leaving. It was a big concern because my company, it was big and I felt that my company depend on me. I was the face of the company. My clients trust me, okay? And we have 25 employees, but I was very concerned what is gonna happen with this company if I am not here. Okay. But I decided to move. I took my daughter. I took only two days. Okay. When 
we were out of the country. My daughter was in two days, we were in Panama. And then I would travel back and forth every week, okay, in between Panama and Venezuela. It is a traumatic situation, even though it was not me, okay, because as I told you, I had to have security people. And then I was trained by the security people, how I can drive by myself, how to be, you know, vigilant of my environment. It's just very stressful, something that I don't recommend to anybody. And I value very much the security that we have in the United States and yeah. the fact that we be as free as we are here. And I value very much that I got that from Panama as well. It's a very secure country. So that's very well, i'm reliving my own moments of that two to three hour incident and i'm like oh my god i can't imagine your trauma was similar to my wife's trauma for three hours but it was very mm-hmm. painful and intense right so i can only imagine being on this at least i knew what was going with me same with your husband at least he knew what he was going with him he may not have any control on that but he was living yeah. it someone like you you feel like helpless right So thank you for sharing that story. It's an important part of who you are and what made you so resilient as well, which shows you the power of decision. So let's talk about that for a second. You said you're very decisive, right? So what made you that decisive? And when you're making a decision, what is your decision-making framework? I don't hesitate with things that I believe are important, okay? And I don't procrastinate decisions, okay? I think that... The worst that you can do is to procrastinate a decision. And the only wrong decision is the decision that is not being made. Correct. So there is a process to make decisions, okay, depending on the severity. I mean, you just don't make decisions without understanding the facts. But there is also a timing to make that decision. So you can evaluate what are your pros, what are your cons, okay? But you have to make a decision in a timely manner. If you are in a issue like what it was, okay, with my daughter, okay, I had to make a decision that day cool. or in the next days because I was not willing to put my daughter at risk. Okay. So if it's in business as well, okay. And talking about real estate a little bit, because that's the business that I have right now. Okay. There is a time frame where we decide this is not working. We need to change it. We can't procrastinate those decisions. And I think that's very important in life. It's very important in business. You have to make decisions and you have to correct whatever is happening and you have to be in a timely manner. That's, I believe that making decisions at the right time is the most important tool that a leader can have Mm -hmm. in their businesses. That is very interesting, right? Because I think the challenge happens is, and I'm sure you've seen it in your way because you're also an active syndicator now. We'll talk about that as well in a bit. But really, when you talk about decisions, we all have heard the term analysis paralysis, right? It's because unfortunately, and this is my own thesis, I could be completely off. It's really, I think the reason why people don't make decisions is because they don't want to be wrong. They don't want to take the accountability of being wrong. They want to be right. Because it's either the fear, fear of failure, or it could be how people around them are going to perceive them, or whatever. But you said something which was amazing, which is more about the only wrong decision is the decision not being made. Because that's mm-hmm. the only wrong decision. If you didn't make a decision, you're not going to act. If you're not going to act, you don't know what the result could have been, but you're living in your head that decision is wrong. But to the same point, you also talked about, which is interesting, to bring a balance, right? Just because you're decisive does not mean if I'm going to talk to you tomorrow, let's go to Paris, and you got something else important going on, you're going to say, I need to be decisive, I'm going to go. You're mm-hmm. not saying that. You're basically saying that you got to weigh your facts, But sometimes you may have to make a decision with unknowns. You have to be comfortable with the unknowns. And then if you make a wrong decision, or if the decision is not going the way you want it to go, you make a course correction, right? Most decisions in life are reversible. Exactly. Most of the decisions are reversible. And the thing is that if you are not making decisions in a timely manner, you're not going to change a wrong decision in a timely manner either. That is a very interesting insight. I didn't think about that, but you're right. So that may be another reason why you're fearing because they know themselves, that person who's not able to make a decision that if I do something, I don't know if I have in me to course correct because I won't be able to make the wrong right, right? Uh, The worst you can do is being in analysis paralysis. That's what I said. 
Like a lot of my listeners are engineers, like the analytical people, and someone who has been trained to be looking at the data, right? And it's kind of interesting when I'm looking at a deal with them, they'll go five days of analysis on the spreadsheet, maybe 10, some of them. I always tell them like, look, just tell me what you want to say, the spreadsheet to share. I'll give it to you. Because what I'm telling you as a fact is the spreadsheet is going to change because life does, the business and life does not work on spreadsheet. Correct. And I love spreadsheets and a spreadsheet love me. Okay. Yeah. You've been to Tony <laughs> Robbins. Uh, my life. Yeah. <laughs> I drive my life with the spreadsheets. Okay. Yeah. Everything is in a spreadsheet for me. But the thing is that when you're working with a spreadsheet, you can manipulate in a spreadsheet as Definitely. well. This is very important for me. When we're analyzing properties, we have maybe a 10 spreadsheet. Correct. I only look at one. Yeah. And the acquisition tab. What is happening with that property right now? Right now. That is not going to lie to me. That right. is not going to lie to my investors, at least they're lying with their financials. Okay. And it's part of the due diligence. But the other 10 pages, okay, the other projections for 15 years, okay, we have to make sure that those are conservative as well. However, you change one number, you change 1% here, 1% down, down, and it can make an Excel look from ugly to very pretty, okay? And I'm very conscious about that. So the first thing that I talk to my team and my head of acquisition, and he knows me, I just wanna check the acquisition tab. What are the numbers right now, okay? What are the numbers in the last three months? What are gonna be our expenses? What is the reality? I don't buy in pro forma. I don't buy thinking that the market is going to explode. 10%. I'm buying what I'm buying right now because that's the only thing that we have. So I'm very, very into spreadsheets. And even though, okay, I am extremely conservative with our projections. I love that. So Vanessa, I'm going to recap your journey really quick here. So you started as a beauty pageant, which is all about how you look to now coming to the world to then well, starting a creative agency, which is right brain. Something, okay? I'm not the most beautiful woman in the world. I know that. Okay. But when I was in school, I know I did not have a future as a model okay, mm-hmm. or as a beauty pageant. Okay. I know that. But when I was in school, I was always A's and A plus in <clears throat> math, physics, Amazing. chemistry, all these subjects. And I was really bad in language. Okay. I'm telling you, I was like a C, C minus or a D. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm always being a numbers person. Right. Always. That's awesome. All the projections. I love to see projections. I love to see P&Ls. I love to see balance sheets. Okay. I love to be involved as the CTO of the company. I love to be involved of the processes of What's happening here? How can we improve this financially? And that's part of the things that we're implementing so much technology in the company so we can predict some things, okay? But not only seeing what is happening, but also measuring, okay, before things are happening. So I'm very into numbers. I am very numbers driving person, okay? So every month, every week, some numbers needs to be there in our properties. Some specific numbers. And at, because at the end, okay, and you know this, nobody is getting paid and nobody is getting money based on effort. Everybody nope. is getting paid. Everybody is making money. Our investors are going to make money based on results. Correct. And that's what we need to focus on. Okay. Effort is great, but you have to produce results. Which is interesting, right? And that just doesn't go in the investing world. It actually goes in the life as well, right? So Vanessa, it's an interesting journey you have, right? So you started as a beauty pageant, which is not necessarily the most analytical business from my understanding. I could be wrong. They're launching a marketing company, which is very right brain and some left brain. And now what you're doing is very left brain oriented, which is numbers driven analytics. It's an interesting journey you have, but I also know the beauty pageant just happened to be a shift in you, but I have a feeling you're always a great student. It was just a distraction. It was just a shiny object. I has always been a nerd since first grade. That's why we get along very well. I'm a nerd. (laughs) (laughs) I've always been into numbers. I love my career in physics. 
I was completely... Wait, you loved physics? That's I, astrophysics, I yeah. For, for two years, okay, before I switched to my MBA, I love it. It was a passion. I can read any book about physics and mm. astrophysics and everything. The name of my company is Venus Capital. That's true. <laughs> that is true. So I've been always an earth. I'm very proud of that because I feel like my two years in physics, okay, set me on a course to understand numbers, okay, and understand possibilities in a way that maybe some other people can't, okay. okay? Because when you have something in front of you, okay, in physics or in mathematics, what you have to do is that you're trying to find the solution. There is always a solution. Always. Okay. So that has been my mantra forever. Since I opened my first company, every time someone comes to me, to my office, okay, and if someone is coming with one monkey, which means one problem, you're not leaving it here. Okay. You're leaving my office with a solution, not for me. Okay. So they have to come with the problem and they have to come with a solution. I use those two years of physics and I always think with my people and my team, there is always a solution. Correct. And there is just one. There are two or three solutions. So my mantra has been, you never come and say there is no possible. There is always a solution since I was 22. And that is coming from all those years. Okay. And because of that as well, of course, I love numbers. I love to see a PL. I love to see a balance sheet. My company is being driven by KPIs. Okay. So I'm very strict about KPIs and some specific numbers needs to be in the rent roll every week. Um, in the T12. Okay. We don't see a T12. We see a T1. Okay. We measure every week what is happening with those properties. So asset management is very critical for operations of company like my company, but what is also very critical is understanding when do you have to do corrections. And when you see a T12, it's already too late to do any corrections. You have to see numbers at the right time. Every week, every month, we're seeing numbers and we're doing corrections. And that's also part of being decisive. Okay, You have to make decisions. Sometimes you have to wait. You can wait two or three months. But for example, we had a deal last year okay, that we try a property management for the first time, something that we don't do. Okay, But this property management came with a few good references and they have a lot of properties in the market. Okay. We measure that what property management with KPIs okay, for 30 days and mm-hmm. they were not meeting any of their KPIs. This is not about efforts. This is about results. Okay. We measure that for 30 days more. We talk to them. We try to correct it. That's it. It's over. We change property management. It took us only 60 days okay, of micromanaging and trying to, but we did it before it was too late okay we make a decision usually you have to give the property management 30 days for them to pass this to someone else we didn't do that and we don't do that if that happened we wouldn't do it we took that property in three days that was over for us nice so So vanessa let's talk about that now so let's actually before we go into the real estate aspect of it how did you shift from marketing company to now real estate I reflect back on our discussion before, which is a lot of, some of that was diversification. Some of that was your intention and your nature that you get bored easily. So I would love to highlight on that and then paint a picture of why real estate. Right. So when I left uh, Panama, I had two companies that I sold and I moved to the U.S. with my husband, that his family is from Chicago and also from Panama. Okay. So we were in LA and my husband had a, a small venture as well that was about creating content for automotive companies. Okay. So he will create videos and content for TVs, things like that. So what we did is that I said I was going to be retired, but what happened is I at that point, retired. I saw my husband working as a contractor. Okay. And my husband will have one client, will do some stuff. Okay. And then he will have maybe another client. Okay. And I saw an opportunity there. I said, 
this can be a really, really good business. Okay. He was targeting the Hispanic market in the US, which is a target that was also only covered by Univision and these big media companies. So I decided that we will need to create from that a real company. And that's what we did. Okay. And right now, after 10 years, Auto Projecto is the number one Hispanic media creator oh, awesome. in the US. Also, after five years of working together, okay, we decided that that was not the best partnership. <laughs> we, better, <laughs> we better stay married. Okay? Yeah. Our kids that having the company together. He is a visionary as well. Okay. I am a visionary. So we have different ways to see things, but the company was in a good place. Okay. So I was able to step back and say, this was not my passion also. And there was a lot of marketing as well, right. production. This is in LA and he loved cars. Okay. So I decided to step back. Okay. And he has been managing that company for five years. And at that point I was thinking, Hmm, what I'm going to do now? Because the thing is that there is any entrepreneur listening to this interview, this entrepreneur knows that we can help each other. We cannot help each other. <laughs> We're always thinking what we can do next and what we can do next. Right. So my husband and I have been talking about real estate for a long time because we knew that it's a wealth creator. We knew always that we want to have assets okay, and, and increase our wealth in that, uh, that way. But we has been always so busy creating our businesses. I has been busy doing this. We has been busy doing this production company. And we actually didn't know that syndication companies exist, okay? mm. like this company. So he was always thinking, let's buy apartment building, let's do this. And right. um, as an analytic person that I am, I always say, this is not as easy as you think it is. It's not just right. buy a building. Right. Okay. I'm sure that there is a hundred things that we need to put in a spreadsheet to analyze how this is going to be a good business. So I started learning and investigating. I think that education is very important in life in general with everything that you want to do. I have a lot of experience in business. Okay. I know how to create a business. Okay. This is just for me, it's a repeated thing that I can do. But in real estate, I have to do the diligence. I have to partner with some people that in the lender industry that had many years doing this in the U.S. Okay. So it's also important to understand what is your superpower. Correct. And what is people's superpower. Okay. So in my research, I decided that multifamily was definitely the way that we wanted to go. Okay. So I created the company about four and a half, almost five years ago. Okay. And I created a syndication company. Okay. The name of my company is Venus Capital, as I said. Lovely. Well, it's a women and minority company. Okay? Right. And I think it represents everything that we really want to bring to the real estate industry. And right now, especially for the last six months, one of the things that we have been trying to do is to bring a lot of technology, couldn't X technology, artificial intelligence in all the processes. Okay. Innovation is very important in any area or in any business that you are. Okay. And I've always been thinking about innovation, but I think that right now, we are in a time right now that innovation is really easy. This is the time right. for the right. innovator. So from that production company, okay, that's how I moved to multifamily. That's awesome. Now let's talk about innovation in real estate. So most people think real estate is a boring industry. You just buy an apartment and then you let it sit. And then you... what innovation are you putting into your company to accelerate your portfolio? Very boring. I agree because the real estate industry and the multifamily industry and the syndication industry has been doing the same things over and over and right. over in the same way and the same square box. And four years ago, when we started buying properties, sometimes I will come with different ideas and why people is not doing this. And the answer of people that has been doing you know, this for done. 30 years, like, 
<laughs> it's never because that's the way that everybody do it it's like yeah. no we have to do something different right. here if right. not illegal and we are with our sec rules okay let's do something now what i see that happen for the last two years is that people started being very creative i don't agree it was the right way but people started being very creative trying to buy deals and trying to make work the numbers for the deal in a spreadsheet and going into all these high leverage loans yep. okay and high leverage bridge loans okay? and that's what exploding right now right so they try to be creative to make work a deal but they didn't many people okay in this industry was not really creative of how to find and get a good deal they were right. just being creative how to make up the numbers to make these deals right. work okay and that's what is unfolding unfortunately right now okay now you're going to see everybody that use all this high leverage how they cannot pay their mortgage x y and c and it's putting people at risk we decided we were not going to buy in bridge loan even a year and a half ago so while everybody was while buying into bridge loans again getting all these deals we only purchased four deals last year and all of those deals were with an agency loan okay with a seven percent leverage they were right price our strategy was the right price really so innovation can come in many forms <laughs> but you can be creative okay but really not being an innovator so what we are doing is actually okay bringing innovation to the industry of real estate okay mm-hmm. taking advantage of the new technologies and the ai that every day you have new ai tools that you can use for real estate for productivity okay so when we implement this cutting edge technology and this ai in our processes we can reduce expenses significantly in our properties or in our operations and we can increase occupancy we can increase the leases in our apartment buildings okay and at the end the result of that is the increase of the noi which is right more money for our investors that's the whole idea of innovation and technology can you give us some ideas for um, ai tools you've been using vanessa yes wow there's so many for example if you are an entrepreneur or if you are in any industry that you are that is not a specific about real estate I think Otter and Fireflies, okay, is one of the Which most important. Which one is that? Important. Remind me again. It's Otter, O-T-T-E-R. I'm going to give you the link so you can put it on the or podcast fi- as well. Yeah. Okay. Fireflies. I don't have it here, but that is an AI assistant okay, that is taking notes of everything that we're talking about. So we have AI in all our meetings. And what is coming from that is a summary, is a bullet point. So after that meeting, it can create actually summary that we can send to our, sure. our investors. Okay, You can go and by bullet point and go specifically to that point of the conversation. Okay, It's just like very, very, very important. The fact that you are removing so many steps Correct. during the meeting. Right. Okay. That's one tool that I think is very effective. There's other tools as well. There are travel assistants right now. So if you want to plan your travel, you can put what are the things that you like? What are the things that you usually do when you're going to a trip? Okay. And you can ask an AI travel assistant to give you a whole plan. Okay. For a week of the places that are, you know, according mm-hmm. to your parameters. Of course, there is ChatGPT, and everybody is talking about what ChatGPT right. can do for you, starting from brainstorming to strategy to legal documents. I get some of my legal documents for ChatGPT, okay? and I can tell you that some of them are better to what my lawyer is sending me. Wow, that's because interesting. Think about how you can optimize your time. Okay, yeah. if you ChatGPT to give you a document that is literally a template for mostly everybody, okay? And you can tell exactly what your name is, who your client is, and what specifically you need for that document. 
you can get that in 30 seconds versus a lawyer that you have to go, you have to send an email, right. you have to explain. Hopefully, this lawyer is going to understand what you need. And then he's going to come back five days later with a document that you need to correct because she or he didn't understand exactly what you mean. Okay. Right. And you have to send it back 10, 10 days. So the way that AI is helping your productivity right now, okay, is so important because now you can save so much time. And for business, this is a game changer for an entrepreneur, for a professional, because think about this, okay? You are saving maybe 40% of your time of the things that you were doing. What are you going to do with that 40% of your time that you get back? We need to watch Netflix, right? I'm just joking. <laughs> no. <laughs> you can read. You can spend more time with your family. Okay? Right. Is that what we want? We want to have more time freedom. Okay. You can spend more time with your family. You can actually duplicate your business, 10x your business, because now you have more time. It's people complaining all the time that there is not enough hours during the Correct. day. Correct. So this assistance, this is like having a, another who. This is like having a personal assistant, okay, for you. So I think that business that are integrating with AI are going to be able to grow 10x way faster than another business that is not integrating yeah. with AI. And one of the things that I repeat over and over and over is that my firm belief is that in maybe five years, okay, by 2030, for sure, business that have not fully integrated with AI are going to be out of business. Right. So... It's not a function of an AI technology taking over your job. It's a function of the people and the companies that are going to be integrating with AI are going to thrive, not only survive, they're going to thrive. And the people that is not integrating with this are going to disappear. These jobs are going to disappear. These people is not going to be able to compete how fast other person can do it and right. how fast other companies can do it, how much money other companies can bring with the same amount of people. Our company is not a big company. Okay, We don't have more than 10 people. I don't plan to have more than 10 people. Why? Because it's not necessary right now. But right. everybody in our company in Venus Capital, everybody needs to be fully integrated with AI and have the AI tools that they need in their departments. Talking investor relations, talking asset management and operations, okay? And of course, marketing, because most of the uses of this is also for marketing. But I can give you many other tools for real estate, for example, we're using Perk, okay? Perk is a leasing assistant for our properties and is an artificial intelligence for leasing our properties. We have a technology for collections as well. Okay? So this technology is following up with the people okay, mm -hmm. by text, by calls. Okay? So our manager is not extremely involved and is not forgetting okay, to call someone for collections. So this is improving the collection significantly. Got it. My God, Vanessa, this is a fascinating world we're entering into, right? And I completely agree with you. If you're not incorporating AI, if you look at AI as a threat and say, I'm not going to use it, you're actually only being dishonest with yourself because AI is here to exist. If you like it or not like it, right, it's going to stay. How well do you integrate that into your life is what's going to make your life and business very successful. For example, the Otter tool, I've used that tool, Otter tool, it's an amazing tool. It actually takes screen captures. It does an amazing job for meeting minutes and you're memorializing the whole meeting in a Word document or whichever document you want to keep it in. So it's an amazing Correct. tool. But again, these tools are just an enabler. You can't, at least at right now, who knows what's going to happen in 10, 15, 20 years, you cannot replace human beings, right? So it's not a replacement. It's just augmenting your skill by it's 10xing your capability to execute. So you can focus on what you need to do 
instead of focusing on writing meeting minutes, right? Just pay attention or, to the meeting. Or writing emails that can take you 30 minutes or writing yeah. in calendar for three days, okay? Right. Or writing a media post for people that is into social media as well. And for example, for ChatGPT, it's very important to understand how ChatGPT works, okay? Because this is not Google, okay? That you're just going to Google. Correct. If you're going to give... If you're going to tell ChatGPT to do something for you, you have to think that, imagine that you're talking to your assistant, okay? And you want your assistant to give you, you know, to book a week travel for you, okay? What would your assistant will ask you? Where do you want to go? What things do you like to do? Okay, how long do you want to stay? You have to give them certain information. So it's the same for all these AI tools. Okay, they are language models okay, that understand and then do all this technology. Okay, right. it's a progressive technology to bring the best information according to the information that you're giving. So garbage in, garbage out. You're giving the good information, it's going to give you good information back. And I think you're correct. This is not about replacing people. This is about increasing the effectiveness and increasing what you can do actually with your time. So it's a perfect who, that's what I call it. I love that. Vanessa, thank you again for sharing all your key insights. We can go on and on. There's so much to learn from you. There's so much to get inspired from your journey. But we do have a hard stop. So we're going to respect that. So Vanessa, we're going coming towards the end of our show right now. Two questions I like to ask my listeners towards the end. One question is, if you were to reflect back on your 20-year-old self or teenagers, whatever, What are some of the key insights you'll tell them to make their migration in life more intentional? Nothing. Because I would never change my life just for one second. My life wouldn't be the same. People think that going back to that person and tell them like, oh, buy Amazon stocks or do something like this. (laughs) Thinking about the future, I will tell my 40 something years old right now, I will tell them in 10 years, okay, to integrate to EI and understand what is happening right now. Because again, this is bigger than buying Amazon stocks. This is bigger than the internet. This is bigger social media breakthrough. This is gonna change the way we live, the way we work, the, the way we make money, there will be more millionaires right now, okay, with these technologies and uses these technologies than ever before. So there is not going to be more seven-figure companies. There will be eight and nine-figure companies. Okay? So what I would like to think is that what I will, what I will say to me right now, right now. years in the future, mm, and it's I like, like that. Go into this right now, understand it, and also use it for good. Because there is a lot of concerns about the uses of this technology for good and how to be transparent. Okay. That's a big subject as well. Okay. So I always am very proud of using this technology in a responsible way and in a transparent way. If you go to my website, we will tell you whatever we did with AI, okay? We have an AI assistant, okay? So everything, all the pictures, whatever we do that is AI generated, okay? We will be completely transparent about that. And even videos that we can create, we are creating some videos with my voice that is not actually me, but it's my voice, okay? Amazing. Uh, Mm. We are creating some personalized videos to our investors. Everybody will have a disclaimer, okay? Because we're completely about transparent and responsibility. So everything will have a disclaimer about that. So that's what I would say. Awesome. But as a last question, when you reflect back on everything that happens in and around your life, where should humanity migrate to? Again, I'm going to go back to AI because... (laughs) What is happening is that people, there are some futurists that believe that AI is going to wipe out humanity. Right. And there are some concerns about that because right now the level that we are is very basic 
and the technology is duplicating in less than six months right now. It is so fast. You have no idea how fast we're going into this. So right now, ChatGPT can be smarter than all of us. So what is going to happen in a year? Everybody is very concerned. I am one of the positive ones into this situation and this movement. I believe that the people that is behind this, okay, and I believe that the people like me that is using these technologies, as far as we continue to create this with human values mm -hmm. okay, and less of the human values, and we still train these models okay, based on the human values, okay, this can be very, very helpful and good for humanity instead of thinking on an apocalyptic size of humanity. Okay. So there is a lot of good in this world. Okay? Yeah. And that's what I am betting that these models are going to still be trained. Okay. I have to say this. I have seen uh, crazy stuff about how people is Jack yelling ChatGPT and it's awful. I think that's irresponsible. I yeah. think that it's very responsible for these people to be putting this out there, okay, and teaching people how to do that, okay. I think those are the things that we need to control in order to keep humanity in the right path okay, and not in the wrong one. Vanessa, thank you again for sharing the time with us. I know your time is valuable. You got five companies, five kids, and all that good stuff going on in your life. So we appreciate you being here. If somebody wants to reach out to you and learn more about what you do and maybe have a conversation with you, where can they find you? Well, our website, venuspartners.com. I also have, if someone is interested to reach out to me, they can book an appointment or they can send an email over there at info at venuspartners.com. And I also have this ebook that we just created with all the tools that we believe are going to be very helpful to increase productivity for professionals or executives. Awesome. This is not related specific about real estate, but I wanted to give something that people in any industry can use regardless. So you can go there and you can download it. Just sign up for downloading this ebook of 25 pages. 25 pages <laughs> worth of AI. Awesome. The last two pages is just the links of the tools yeah. that you can go there, click and see if that's interesting for you. Just please understand there is a lot out there and this can be also a shiny object. So if one tool does not work for you or it's not going to help you in your life, just pass that because yeah. otherwise you're going to be like days okay, playing with this. Right, Vanessa, thank you again. We will, we will make sure we'll include the links of all the tools that you've talked about on our show and your website. And I would encourage folks to download this AI tool because it can increase the productivity that you have. We all complain about time having some of these tools and some of these tools are free, right? So there's no reason for you not to implement that in your life and take advantage of that. So while it's available. Well, thank you, Vanessa. Have a good one. And then we'll look forward to connecting again. Thank you so much. So blessed and grateful to be here. Thank you. Thank you. If you got value from this episode, you might consider sharing this content with a friend. But most importantly, be sure to take action on what you've learned. One way you can take the next step is to connect directly with Socket on an investor call. That link is waiting for you in the show notes below. The content of this podcast is for informational purposes only. Please consult your own advisors when making any investment decisions. Keep listening. We'll see you on the next episode.